0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Got it. Okay. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to the worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said. We would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus, and Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, Well, anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now, my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord okay. There is one prayer that we can all pray every day that can make a difference. And it's, I want to see Jesus. Can you say that with me? I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. So where do you think we see Jesus? Where do you think we see Jesus? In heaven. In heaven. Uh-huh. Here's a Kleenex for you. Where else do you think Jesus we see Jesus? Do you think Jesus is around here anywhere? Do you think you see Jesus here? When I look at each of you, when I look in your eyes, when I look in your faces, I see Jesus because Jesus lives in your hearts and Jesus is right here with each of you. And when you look at each other, you can see Jesus. And when you look at your mommy and daddy, you can see Jesus. And hopefully when you look at other people here, you can see Jesus too. So I'm going to ask you to go with Miss Debbie. Yeah, with Miss Debbie today and see whether you can see Jesus in other places, too. I'll give you a hint. Sometimes I see Jesus when I look at the ocean. Okay? You can see Jesus in lots of places. All right? All right. Go on So love the world that he gave God so love the world that he gave His only Son. Good morning. Please be seated. today's scriptures, I I noticed two important things that I'm going to share with you, at least important to me, and hopefully you'll find them helpful as well. When my husband Dave was, was deteriorating from Alzheimer's disease, I found it increasingly difficult to get in touch with joy. With the joy in the Lord that I've always experienced. I've, I've tended to be one of those glass have full people or more than full people and and, have, and had a, a, a real sense of God's love for me. And that has brought joy into my life throughout most of my life. But when I was watching my husband deteriorate and, and the, seeing the essence of the joyful and capable person that Dave was disappear, as the disease took away his memory, his ability to speak, and his ability to do the most basic things for himself, I had trouble staying in touch with that joy. And in addition to that, I also struggled with, at times, my short-temperedness with him when I was exhausted or when he asked me the same question for the 15th time in an hour's period of time, Sometimes I didn't answer with a loving, in a loving and patient way. And, and that, that is something that I've had to deal with in terms of my own sense of guilt. Scripture tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength and that God will turn our sorrow into joy. And those are wonderful promises. But what do we do when we're in the midst of pain, shame, sorrow, brokenness, bitterness, and loneliness? What are we to do when God seems distant, when our sense of well-being and joy eludes us, as it did me during some of that time of Dave's disease? Through suffering, God's taught me some truths that I want to share with you, and I'm going to give you a preview. The first truth is that there is absolutely nothing we can do for which God won't forgive us. There's nothing we can do for which God won't forgive us. And the second one, and uh, we don't like hearing this, but it's a truth that I know from the depth of my soul, we must die to self to gain life. And those two truths are evident in the psalm that we read today and in the gospel. So let's see how from these scriptures we can re-enter, if we're struggling with joy, we can re-enter into life with God and experience authentic joy once again. So if you have your bulletins, look at Psalm 51 with me. It's familiar to most of us, it's King David's lament after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, after he had plotted to have one of his best friends and king of his army, Uriah, a leader of his army, general of his army, Uriah, sent to battle to the front line so that Uriah would surely be killed. And this is... King David's lament, recognizing that he had fallen far away from God's will for his life and done some pretty awful things. So look at this psalm. David's sorrow and repentance is clearly evident. He knows his wickedness, and he, know, he knows he's broken the deep and loving relationship he has with his God. He's constantly reminded, constantly reminded of his failure to live into God's will for him. Have you ever been there where where your your sin, the thing you've done wrong, haunts you? That's where David is. It haunts him. Look at verse 3. He says, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And yet, Even with that constant kind of guilt and sense of shame, David trusts God and loves him so much that he knows a return to joy is possible. Look at verse 9. Make me hear of joy and gladness that the body you have broken may rejoice. And then look at verse 13 give me the joy of your saving help again and sustain me with your bountiful spirit because David has experienced God's love for him and been in relationship with God in the past he knows forgiveness is not only possible but absolutely God's will for him it's available in his own confession in his own contrite heart he knows his joy can be restored because God's merciful not because of anything he does but because God's nature is mercy when our own sin behavior stands in the way of experiencing relationship with God as King David's does the remedy is to repent And you know that the meaning of repent is to turn around. If you're going the wrong way, you just turn around. That's what repent means. Repent, turn around, seek God's mercy, ask God to restore you. That is what David does in this Psalm. And that truth that that's all we must do is to turn around and go return to God. That is the answer. As David prayed in Psalm 51, we know it's not just possible for God to forgive us, but that's God's very nature. His deepest desire is to create in us clean hearts and renew our spirits so that we might re-enter into a right relationship with God, a loving relationship, so that we might experience the joy that is available in God to us when we are in right relationship. So that's number one. When we've we've gone astray, David's Psalm 51, he did some pretty bad things, but he knew the nature of the God that he worshiped. And he knew that restoration was possible. So for us, too, we have that knowledge. And that turning and repenting is the call that God has for us. So look at John's gospel with me. We see this other source of living life in this world that can separate us from God. Jesus tells his listeners that without death there's no life. When a single grain falls to the earth, it must die, Jesus says. But out of the death of that grain, there's great fruit. He's speaking not just of his impending death, but he's also speaking a truth of living life in God that is true for you and is true for me. Notice what he says right after he talks about the grain dying. He says, those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. I believe Jesus is talking about the need for each of us to die to what quite a few Christian teachers call our false selves the human tendency to cling to the values of this world, the ones that we've been taught maybe since childhood that our culture teaches us, and that we are to turn from that and enjoy a life in Christ that brings out our true self, who God created us to be. One of my seminary professors wrote a Um, commentary on the Gospel of John and he describes this tendency of of human beings, of us to stay in in the the sense of false self rather than becoming the people that God created us to be. And how Jesus' victory over death creates the opportunity, the freedom for us to live into the people we're created to be, rather than remain in the false sense of who we are. And so my professor from his his commentary said this, Satan, the jailer, has been mortally wounded, and Jesus, the liberator, is standing in the cell, but many prisoners prefer to remain in bondage. When we think that the way we're supposed to be is the way the world tells us we're supposed to be, that keeps us in our false selves, that keeps us tied up, that keeps us imprisoned. But when we realize that we are free to choose a life in Christ and become and live into the people God's created us to be, there's tremendous freedom in that. Seeking To live a life in God, each of us must surrender to Jesus, who is the way of life. Clinging to the world's ways is the way of death. When we release what the world tells us we should do, that's worthy of our attention and time, our, our false selves, and instead seek God's will, we become more the person we're meant to be, and we are freed We become our true selves. And this transition from false self to true self is a lifelong process. I'm still in it. I imagine you all are still in it. Sometimes the pressures of of life cause us to turn into or return to old ways. And we need to be reminded continually to turn around and, and start being the person that God has created us to be, to enjoy the freedom we have in Christ, to be who we really, really are and who we long to be. I believe, as the Karen Maurer paraphrase of part of the passage in John, I believe Jesus is saying, for those who love their false selves in this life will lose their lives and those who hate their false selves in this life will gain eternal life. The false self claims autonomy and control That is the false self we're to hate, in Jesus' words, those worldly values which draw us away from God. King David knew this truth, and he knew what he must do in order to return to his true self, to get out of the lies, get out of the sin, and, and be released from Satan, the jailer, and return to his God. We're called to live fully as God's people, And we have the choice to return again and again and again. I want to conclude by telling you a little story about how my experience with Dave, my Dave, um, and the hurts and the pain that I had inflicted on myself and him at times with my own short-tempered moments and... um, and difficulties when he was failing, how God redeemed them. I, um, we had had his memorial service here two years ago in February, and it was a glorious affair. And family and friends came from all over um, the world, actually, and. And so and my daughter and her husband and, and the grandkids were staying at the house and my friend drew who had come from the United Arab Emirates from uh, to to be here with us and he was staying with us and my brother-in-law and Dave's oldest brother and sister-in-law were staying with us. so it was Monday, my day off and and we decided it was a beautiful February day, you know, those that we're blessed with here in California. It was 75 degrees out, no wind, beautiful blue skies, and we decided to walk the San Clemente Beach Trail to the pier and back. So, so we did that, and as we were re- returning from, from the pier, I was, I was just praying and thinking, and we were all talking and enjoying each other, and I turned to Gretchen and I said, I think we're supposed to scatter dad's ashes today. And she said, you know, I was thinking the same thing, mom. Let's do it. So we got back home and, um, and what we decided on the walk, Steve and Jane weren't comfortable going out in the ocean. Uh, the girls needed to take a nap. So it was gonna be Drew, Gretchen and I paddling out with Dave's ashes and Steve and Jane and Kai would stand on the beach. And so we went home, and Drew, who's from Ohio, and been on a surfboard once, um, and Gretchen and I got our bathing suits on, no wetsuits, 57 degree water, went down to the beach. I had Dave's ashes in a backpack on my back. And um, we stood at the water's edge and felt the water. And Drew said, are you sure this is a good idea? And, and the thing about it was is there were absolutely no waves no waves. There's just a little bit of ankle slappers in on the shore, but no waves were breaking. So we kind of, you know, took a deep breath and paddled out, not really far. Don't tell anybody. We, we weren't at the legal distance where you can scatter scatter ashes. So then, you know, we sat up on our boards and, and, you know, we were kind of solemn. It was hard, you know, it was hard doing this, but we knew it was the right thing. And and I'd had this vision of us each saying some words and then saying the Lord's Prayer and scattering Dave's ashes. So what I did is I took the backpack off and set it on the deck of the surfboard. And then I took, there's, they're in a brown box, so I took the box and opened the box and pulled the plastic bag out of the ashes and set that on the, set the brown box on the deck of the surfboard. And, and then I pulled the outer bag of the ashes off and set that on the surfboard. And then I opened up the inner bag of ashes and had it in my hand and Gretchen said, uh-oh, there was a rogue set of waves coming. And I'm sitting with all this stuff on the deck of my surfboard. There's no way I can lay down and paddle a little further out and I wouldn't have had to go too far out. And Drew's kind of behind me and he doesn't know what uh-oh means. And, and, so the first wave hits and I manage to stay on the board but all the stuff the backpack the box the you know all that stuff washes off my board. Second wave hits, I'm in the water holding Dave's ashes above my head. And then uh, it was probably about a 6 wave set. More waves I'm ducking under holding Dave's ashes. Meanwhile, Drew is getting knocked further further into shore, and he's trying to collect all the bags and plastic and stuff. Leash probably wrapped around his neck at that point, but, you know. Um, and Gretchen said, oh, my gosh, Mom, what are we going to do? And I said, there's nothing we can do. You know, I'm, I'm going to put Dad's ashes in the water. Now, to back up a little bit, one of the things that Dave did is he loved playing in the ocean. We'd go boogie boarding and if you were on the same wave with him, he delighted in pushing the nose of your board down and sending you into the water. He loved to play in the water and he, he liked to goof around. So so now I'm in the water holding his ashes and, and the water was super clear. It was a beautiful day and so I started dispersing his ashes, dumping his ashes in the water and all of the iridescence of the ashes surrounded me. It was beautiful. And, and I was kind of saying in my head, I'm sorry, Dave, I really messed this up, you know, as I'm dumping and then rinsing out the bag because the ashes had stuck because some of them had gotten wet and stuff. So uh, I love you, you know, bye. <laughs> and, and then I started swimming in and about halfway in, I just burst out in laughter because I realized Dave was saying, you guys are getting way too serious and emotional here. This ought to be fun. You know, I'm going to duck you into the water. Of course, it was me, you know. It was me that went into the water. And, and what, I, what I experienced in that moment was so much healing from the guilt that I'd carried for not being perfect and, and also the joy that he was right there present with us. That even though he had gone on to be with the Lord, he was still present with us. And that love and that character of joy and sense of fun was still right there with us. That's what God wants for our lives. That kind of experience of transformation from sorrow to joy, from guilt to to mercy, from self-hate to love, that's who God is, and that's what's available to us if we just turn and enjoy the freedom we have in Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.